0: Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for just um, loving us like you do, for meeting us here, and uh, just um, imparting just comfort upon us, Lord, in our lives, and, you know, lives get so busy sometimes, and we don't get to spend the amount of time that we would like with you, Lord, so um, what a wonderful thing to look out. Uh, in this sanctuary, and see so many ladies here, Lord, and we just thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord, to receive your message, and we just want to let you know that we love you, and we appreciate you, and Jesus' precious name, amen. Alrighty, now the book of Isaiah would be much too lengthy for me to even try to cover um, in the time that I'm allotted, so this morning, um, I've chosen instead to share the message of comfort found in... um, the book, um, the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah, and so we're just going to start out with just a kind of a little brief um, introduction into it. Um, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah deal with judgment upon the nations for their indifference um, to God and His Word. This included both the Northern Kingdom of Israel and the Southern Kingdom of Judah. The Northern Kingdom of Israel had already been taken captive by the Assyrians. When the prophet wrote the book of Isaiah. In another um, 90 years, the southern kingdom of Judah would go into Babylonian captivity. Um, there, Judah would be disciplined by the Lord for her disobedience and um, rebellion for 70 years. In view of the nation's um, present troubles and the coming invasion and captivity by the Babylonians in chapter 40 through 66, um, Isaiah, under the inspiration of God, proclaims comfort. To the people of God. Uh, Writing prophetically, the prophet um, views Judah as on the eve of her restoration at the close of the 70 years. Ultimately, he depicts Israel's final restoration following the tribulation um, or the blessing of the millennium with the coming of the Lord as her ultimate hope and comfort. Okay, so in one sense, This is analogous to the church during her time here on earth. This is a time of affliction and spiritual warfare. Um, Anticipation of the rapture and the Lord's return, followed by the tribulation, the restoration of the world and God's kingdom on earth. These verses are filled with principles um, which the believer may draw upon for comfort and strength in any age. So it doesn't matter if it was in biblical times or if it's in these times. The word never grows old and it never changes and it's always applicable. Um, Though the nation had been founded on the absolutes of God's word and his covenant relationship with them, they had turned away from the Lord and his word. They had ceased to find their real hope, their comfort and meaning in life from the Lord and his purpose for the nation. And as a result, the nation experienced two things. The despair of futility of life without a close walk with God. And there was this wonderful scripture that I want to share with you. It's Isaiah 2, 6 through 8. For the Lord has rejected his people, the descendants of Jacob, because they have... Filled their land with practices from the earth or from the east, and with sorcerers, as the Philistines do. They have made alliances with pagans. Israel is filled with silver and gold; there is no end to its treasures. Their land is um, filled with work ho- or war horses; there is no end to its chariots. And their land is full of idols. The people worship things they have made with their own hands. Now, they were also experiencing the despair of spiritual, moral, political, and social decay. These were the marks of a nation in rebellion and under God's judgment because they had turned away from his word. And I'm going to share a little more scripture with you here. Isaiah 1, through 23. Isaiah says here, um, See how Jerusalem, once so faithful, has become a prostitute, once the home of justice and righteousness, she is now filled with murderers. Once like pure silver, you have become like worthless slag. Once so pure, you are now like watered down wine. Your leaders are rebels and the companions of thieves. All of them love bribes and demand payoffs, but they um, refuse to um, defend the cause of orphans or fight for the rights of widows. Um, Jerusalem... In this passage represents all of Judah. God compares the actions of his people to a prostitute. The people had turned from the worship of the true God to worshiping idols. And, and um, they dilute, wait, hold on just a second here. Oh, their faith was um, worthless. It was impure and it was diluted. Idol- idolatry, um, they had this outward and inward um, spiritual, um, spiritual adultery going on. Um, they were breaking their commitment to God in order to love something else. And Jesus describes the people of his day as adulterous, even though they were religiously strict. I mean, we see that today. I mean, we're so good at going through the motions and we're so good at putting up facades and making it look like we're all that when we're really not, and we're just so black inside and corrupt and, and gross. Um, Connie had a great analogy of that this morning. I hadn't heard, and um, I'll share it with you right now, um, that if you could picture when we went through the fires up here and we had to leave so quickly and um, the power had been turned off and our refrigerators were full of food and <laughs> they had no power. So when we came back after a couple weeks, they were pretty stinky. <laughs> they were pretty gross inside. So, you know, that's how the people were at this point. They were just really polluted inside, and, and they were just going through the motions, and that doesn't please God, you know. And so they just didn't have their heart in the right place, and their motives were wrong. Okay. Um, as a church, we are the bride of Christ. And by faith, we can be clothed in his, in his um, righteousness, Um, Has your faith become impure or or watered down? If so, you can always go to God and ask him to restore you. And then keep your devotion to him, strong and pure, once you're back in the right place. And um, Isaiah 3, 1 through 4. The Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, will take away from Jerusalem and Judah everything they depended on. Every bit of bread and every drop of water. All their heroes and soldiers... Judges and prophets, fortune tellers and elders, army officers and high officials, advisers, skilled craftsmen and astrologers, I will make boys their leaders and toddlers their rulers. Now, Jerusalem besieged by her le- and her leaders destroyed, this unhappy picture would soon become a reality. Disobedience would bring serious affliction and great destruction as God had warned in Deuteronomy 28. I didn't have time to write all that down, so if you want to look that up later, please do. Um, Isaiah Isaiah was not condoning fortune-telling or astrologers by including them in this list. He was only demonstrating how far the nation had sunk. The people were following practices of the Assyrian Empire, filling their land with magicians and sorcerers meant that they were um, claiming to know and control the future by the power of demons or by interpreting omens. These practices were forbidden by God. The Philistines worshiped Dagon, Asterisks and Beelzebub. Um, And during the more sinful periods of their history, the people of Israel worshiped these pagan gods right along with Yahweh and even gave them Hebrew names, if you can believe that. It's pretty crazy, I know. (laughs) i found that hard to believe but i guess it did happen um isaiah 3 8 through 9 for jerusalem will stumble and judah will fall because they speak out against the lord and refuse to obey him they provoke him in his face they um the very look on their faces gives them away they display their sin like the people of sodom and don't even try to hide it they are doomed they have brought destruction upon themselves Now here we read that the people are proud of their sin. They're parading it around out in the open. But sin in itself is, is self-destructive. In today's world, spiritual living often appears glamorous, exciting, even clever. But sin is wrong. Regardless of how society pictures it and in the long, and in the, um, long run, sin will make us miserable and it's going to destroy us. God tries to protect us by warning us about the harm that we will cause ourselves by sinning. And those who are proud of their sin will receive the punishment from God they deserve. Having rejected God's path to life, they have only one alternative: the path to destruction. Because the nations present trouble, or because the nations um, present troubles, and because of the coming invasion and captivity by the Babylonians. Isaiah, the inspired prophet, proclaims comfort to the people of God in chapters 40 through 66. Okay, and then I also wanted you to note that the comfort of the chapters which follow this one are nothing less than the good news of the incomparable mighty, uh, mightiness of God and the good news of the Messiah in both his suffering as the Lamb of God and his reign as the line of Judah. Judah was not yet even in captivity, but Isaiah wrote prophetically of two deliverances. The first one being, he envisioned the nation as one of, um, on the eve of her restoration, at the close of the 70 years, just as the Lord had promised. And secondly, he envisioned Judah's ultimate hope and comfort He depicted the nation's final restoration following the tribulation and the blessings of the millennium with the coming of the Lord in his glorious reign of peace and righteousness on earth. Now you might wonder, how does this apply to us? And how do do such remote promises bring comfort in our present distresses? Because we all have them. (laughs) In one sense, this is analogous to the church in her time or sojourn here on earth. The Bible views the age as a time of darkness, affliction, and spiritual warfare in which, as God's people, are to represent the Lord as his ambassadors. But if we are going to be successful in this, we must be um, always looking with anticipation and living for the return of the Lord and for for his church and the restoration of the world under God's kingdom on earth. A great illustration of this is found in 2 Corinthians 4, in a a context in which he describes the trials of the ministry. Um, So I'm just going to read to you from Isaiah 4, 7-15. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death, because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. Kind of reminds me of you, Cece. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. The Apostle concluded with these words in 2 Corinthians 4:16 through 18. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Now, our troubles, they shouldn't diminish our faith or delusion us at all. We need to come to the realization that there is a purpose in our suffering. Problems and human limitations have several benefits. And I'm just going to list a few here. they remind us of Christ's suffering for us. They keep us from pride. They cause us to look beyond this brief life. When the out, I, I, this, I think I heard it here for the first time in the church and I hope I get it right. This, this particular one reminded me of um, this little saying that went around and I hope I get it right. When the outlook looks bleak, try the uplook. Is that right? <laughs> and I've never forgotten that, you know, because it's so true. We can get so focused on what's happening right now, what's in front of us, and we forget, you know, where our comfort and where our help comes from. And so um, I like the, the perspective, um, looking up. Um, they also give us opportunities to prove our faith to others, and they give God the opportunity to demonstrate his power. Next time a storm looms ahead and clouds seem to roll in, see it as an opportunity instead of a burden. Our ultimate hope when we experience terrible illness, persecution, or pain is the realization that this life is not all there is. There is life after death. Knowing that we will live forever with God in a place without sin and suffering can help us live above the pain that we face in this life. I know for myself personally, when I um, read passages like this, I'm comforted and I'm strengthened. Um, Sometimes I feel like getting up and jumping for joy and doing a little jig even, you know, just in celebration of what's to come. Um, The possibility of the Lord's return at any moment is to have a great influence on our daily lives. The old saying, he is so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good, is a misnomer. To be heavenly minded in the biblical sense is to labor here on earth for the Lord, not in our own ability, but in His, knowing that because of this glorious future, our labor is never in vain in the Lord. And then 1 Corinthians 15:58 says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Now, Paul says that because of the rest of, of the resurrection, nothing we do is, use, is useless. Sometimes we become apathetic about serving the Lord because we don't see any results. You know, because we're kind of this like, bam, 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 want to see results now kind of, you know, society. Um, but knowing that Christ has won the ultimate victory should affect the way that we live right now. Don't let discouragement over the apparent lack of results keep you from doing the work that the Lord has used. Uh, of the Lord enthusiastically as opportunities arise. Mm, Isaiah focus, um, Isaiah's focus reminds us that real comfort, comfort that leads to strength, must come from fellowship with an uncomparable God through the Savior, Messiah, and the knowledge of his word. Um, Isaiah 40 is a passage that's filled with principles which um, any believer can draw upon for comfort and strength in this age right now. It is a comfort and a strength, however, that should lead us to, as individuals and as churches, to experience the promise of Isaiah 40:31, which is, "But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength; they will soar on wings like eagles; they will run and not grow weary; they will walk and not faint." Here, Isaiah describes God's power, His, his um, provision to sustain and his presence to help. God is almighty and powerful, but even so, he cares for each of us personally. It's not just a few, you know, like the Jews had bought. It's everyone now. Everyone has the freedom of choice to choose him and to choose blessing. We also see that even the strongest people, they get tired at times. But God's power and strength never diminish. He is never too tired or too busy to help and listen. His strength is our source of strength. When you feel all of life is crushing you and you can't seem to muster the strength to take another step, remember that you can call upon God to renew your strength. Trusting in the Lord is the patient expectation that God will fulfill his promises in his word and strengthen us to rise above life's difficulties. Do you believe God loves you Um, and wants the best for you? Can you relax, confident that his purposes are right? Are you convinced that he has the power to control all of life and all of your life as well? If your faith is struggling right now and you're weak in your walk, you can do me a favor. Will you just accept God's provision? Will you allow him to care for you? No one will ever love you and care for you better than the one who created you. Now, in closing, let me leave you with this. I love this part because it reminds me of Jeff. <laughs> God cares, and he's, um, we see it in the gift of his word, a book filled with personal promises. We see it in the gift of the Son, the greatest promise of all. So I want you to note these, commit them to memory, you know, look them up for yourself. Um, In the King James Version of the Bible, some form of the word comfort is found 119 times, with 42 found in the New Testament. And in the New International Version, we find the word comfort 69 times, 19 are found in the New Testament. Wait a minute, I'm not done yet. (laughs) In the New American Standard Bible... The word is found 80 times, and out of these 80, 23 are in the New Testament. All of these verses don't deal um, with the offer of comfort, but they do speak in one way or another to the issue of man's need for it. And did you know some form of the word encouragement is found nine times in the King James Version, 55 in the NIV, and 45 in the NAS. In addition, there are other words and clauses which call to mind God's care and man's need for comfort, like sustain, support, strengthen, or clauses like let your heart not be troubled, be not afraid, fear not, don't give up, take courage, the list goes on and on, (laughs) but I'll stop there. I just wanted to end with, you know, hopefully getting you to realize just how much you're loved, how much you're cared for, you know, by your maker, and that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. Even when times seem really bleak, um, he's always there. He's just a cry away. So anyway, with that, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your provision, for your love, for your comforting us in times of trouble. Sometimes life can deal us some pretty rough hands and Lord, I know from personal experience you've always been there for me, and I know you always will be, and thank you for that eternal perspective, Lord, that I don't get so lost in um, what's happening to me right here, right now. Um, Lord, um, your perspective is always best, and I just pray that um, it's always there, um, you know. and I know it will be for me to reach over and uh, take a peek. And, Lord, so I just pray that um, today as the ladies break up into their small groups, Lord, that uh, they will be able to boldly share, Lord, what it was that you imparted on their hearts, um, that they enjoyed this um, treasure hunt, Lord, for golden nuggets in your word this week. And, Lord, I ask that you bless them and that you keep them safe, Heavenly Father. And um, we just thank you and we love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.